Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 72 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, I want to talk about something that is bothering me, something that irks me every single fall, and that, of course, my friend, is the notion of frosh. Are you aware of frosh? Are you too old to understand what frosh is? I understand frosh because I work at a university and I see uh, the young children uh, running around wearing the same t-shirt. I think they may be drunk, some of them. Uh, Yes. Uh, So a lot of them are. And uh, I've been uh, going into work early over the last week and noticing uh, piles of puke in the streets. uh, Lovely. Lovely. Uh, In case uh, not everybody knows this, Montreal has several major uh, universities and colleges, and lots of the kids do the frosh thing. Uh, I never participated, but I was not cool at all. Do you know where the word frosh comes from? Because I had to look this up. I have no idea. All right, so its etymology is, uh, is it's short for freshman, but it's also based on the German uh, word for frog, which is frosh, which uh, in slang means a grammar school student. Really? I had no yeah. idea that's where it came from. And, yeah. and is this term uh, universal among English-speaking people? I'd like to think. I've definitely heard it uh, used uh, in North America as well as other parts of the world. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, in the UK, they tend to refer to them as freshers more than, than froshers. Okay. Because we do have some listeners uh, in the UK. So, I just don't want to confuse anybody. Right. Well, uh, you know, all that to say, uh, lots of puke in my life this week. I don't know about yours. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, and this is what people need to hear on our show <laughs> about technology and the paranormal. Well, speaking of technology, I did. Uh, you purchased a Switch a couple of years, uh, a weeks ago. I made my own uh, purchase uh, in the last little while. I bought myself an NES Classic, so I bought myself a, an SNES Classic a couple of months ago, and now uh, it has a, a tiny baby brother to contend with. And so I've been busy playing Mario and Star Tropics. Oh, Star Tropics! I was always fascinated by that game, and I never really played that much of it. A friend of mine rented it for the weekend, and we played with it, and it was fun. Um, there was a really interesting way of getting a clue in that game. Yeah, it was from the manual. Yeah, you had to like yeah. wet the manual or like hold it up to a candle or something crazy like that. I do know that the NES Classic has like the manual scan, so I haven't gone through the Star Tropics one yet because I haven't reached that point yet. But as soon as I will, I'll definitely do that because I, I want to use the internet, you know, and, and GameFAQs.com is like a last resort. I, I try to do the same thing. I recently just finished Shovel Knight after we talked about it. I didn't really resort to much uh, tips and tricks, although my daughter kept saying, Daddy, you're always dying. Can you go look it up on your phone? Seriously. Yeah. I I didn't really read too much about how to uh, kill the final boss, but uh, I and I I think I texted you a few times about the boss rush and how it was driving me crazy. Very annoying over the weekend. Yeah. uh, But you were right. Ultimately, very satisfying when you finish that game because it's pretty hard but not as punishing as uh, the old school 8-bit and 16-bit games actually were that this game makes us feel nostalgic about. Yeah, I do feel like there is a uh, level of like uh, forgiveness, I guess would be the best way of putting it, that uh, Shovel Knight has that, uh, you know, for example, like the early Mega Mans don't. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially the first Mega Man, which was brutal. I think the NES Mini has that Mega Man or just Mega Man 2? Mega Man 2, yeah. That's the the best Mega Man, I think. And with the save, save states that the NAS Mini gives you, I think it'll be much easier. Yeah, exactly. That's how I've been doing uh, things with Star Tropics, for example. Uh, I know there's like a code feature, there's like a password feature, but I haven't used it um, to its advantage. Because, hey, why use that when I can just, you know, save things automatically? Yeah, that's what I've been doing with the RetroPie. Uh, speaking of which, the kids have a brand new Switch to play with. But instead, this afternoon, we played uh, several iterations of Bomberman. So the equivalent of forgetting about the present and playing with the uh, present box. Yeah, we played Super Bomberman 2 on the SNES, Bomberman 93 
on the TurboGrafx-16 and Mega Bomberman on the Genesis. And all three were a big hit with the kids. Uh, so did you play like three player? No, I only have two controllers for the RetroPie. And I don't know if you know this about me, but I've never played Bomberman before. Really? Because yeah. I loved Super Bomberman as a kid. Yeah, I think I maybe played uh, like five minutes of it a long time ago uh, when a friend of mine rented it on the NES and I thought it was dumb and never played it again. But today made me realize what people uh, love about it. It's a lot of fun and the kids liked it because it's so simple. Like they played it without any problems. And you do know that the Superman, uh, Super Bomberman franchise is one of the few that uh, supports the uh, SNES Hudson multi-tap, right? For four players. I never really had much experience with the multi-tap. Uh, I remember playing with the one on the NES. Remember that game, Super Spike V-Ball? Yes. But uh, never played it on the SNES. Yeah, I never did either. Uh, I was never a big peripheral person. Like I remember we ended up with a Super Scope at one point uh, for a brief Ooh. amount of time. That was kind of cool. Did you not have enough friends for the four-player thing? That is very correct, Angelo. Thanks for bringing up old wounds. Uh, I was a lonely child. And I don't really want to talk about it. I do want to talk about the Super Game Boy, though. That's a peripheral that I loved using. That was really cool. I, I like that Nintendo did those things. Um, some they were, they were mostly hit instead of miss with the peripherals, I'd say, Nintendo. Well, Rob the Robot. Uh, yeah, that was less of a peripheral and more of something to sneak a video game console into children's <laughs> lives. I guess so. Because everybody thought it was a toy. I guess. And... Yeah. Uh, Genesis, on the other hand, as much as I liked my Genesis, they were not that great with the peripherals. No, I mean, like, uh, would you consider the 32X a peripheral? Yes, and it was a terrible one. Yeah. Did you ever own it? No, a friend of mine owned it. Did you ever play, did you ever play any games? Like the, the Star Wars one or uh, Spider-Man and Web of Fire? Is, is there a fire uh, happening in your area? I hear <laughs> that was great. Sirens. Yeah, no, yeah, no, there is sirens. I'm not sure where they're going. Uh Okay, um, just be safe, Brian. Well, well, well be before safe. we forget, like we we haven't even talked about the one of the worst Nintendo peripherals, which is the Power Glove. Have we? We've mentioned it before on the show, right? For sure, but I just mean like right. in terms of like like crappiness. Guess what? Though Nintendo was not responsible for that; they licensed it, but it was a Mattel property. Yeah, but they still put it into production. Yes, so. they did. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, I, that was not a good thing. And I always was fascinated how these consoles always had these expansion ports and stuff. When you like flipped over the, the NES even, it had this expansion thing. The SNES had one too, which was supposed to be uh, part of what would be the PlayStation, uh, the Sony PlayStation CD peripheral that would have been added to the SNES. And uh, Nintendo really dropped the ball on that one, I'd say. I hate to be a, a, a pedant. But uh, was it called the PlayStation at the time? It when was. It was just, okay, it was. It was. It was going to be called PlayStation 2 words, though, not one. Right. I can remember where the timeline lay for that. Yeah. And they got, uh, they actually got blindsided by them at a CES where uh, Nintendo, instead of announcing their partnership with Sony, said they had a partnership with Philips. And uh, we all know how that turned out. Hands up if you own and enjoy a CDI. Chances are... You're a horrible, dirty liar. Now, let's not turn this into a complete video game podcast, because I feel like that's dominated the last couple of weeks. Let's go from the past to the future. So tomorrow, uh, God willing, there will be our annual uh, Apple hubbub. Yes, uh, this show is releasing uh, the Tuesday before that. It's uh, on uh, Wednesday, September 12th, where this uh keynote's going to happen. We're not going to dwell too much on it because we're hoping to be out with a quick bonus episode to talk about what's going to happen. But predictions, best iPhone ever, right? That's the prediction. Always, always and forever, my friend. Make the sign of the apple as you listen to this, everyone. 
and then continue onwards with your great thoughts. Um, Can I be honest with you, though, Brian? Sure, of course. Totally not excited about it this year. I'll be interested to see what's happening. But everything I own from Apple that I would need to update has been updated. I have a relatively new phone, relatively new iPad, new watch, new Mac. Well, new Mac. It's actually three years old, but it feels like new because uh, computers these days last a lot longer than they used to. It's true. I don't really need anything this year. So I'm interested from like a technology enthusiast point of view, but there's nothing I'm really going to be buying. Uh, but there's going to be three iPhones this year, not just uh, not just two. Yeah, but they seem very boring. Like, they just seem like permutations <laughs> or, or like like mutations of the iPhone X. So why would I care? Like it's like the, one of them is going to be like the largest iPhone ever, right? Yeah, it's going to be very close to an iPad mini. Okay, so hear me out on this one, right? So I feel like surprise-wise, I'm probably going to shoot myself in the foot with this, it's going to be less about hardware and more about content, right? Like, I think Apple TV, some kind of service, I think they're going to start making uh, their presence known. You think they're going to announce the service this week? I just, either that or they're going to, you know, start teasing it, I think, and let uh, set up a timeline for people to be aware that it's coming. I, I am excited more about the the software than the hardware. You're right. Uh, same sentiment on this side of the microphone. I, I'm hoping for some better priced iCloud tiers. I made that uh, hope last year as well. And again, at WWDC, it never seems to happen, but it would be nice. Um, but the content thing with Apple TV would be the most exciting thing. I do feel like maybe they're going to head in that direction because I feel like they've kind of hit the glass ceiling with the iPhone, right? So, I mean, like, it's great that you are doing the largest iPhone ever, but, like, who really cares at the end of the day apart from, like, a small part of your audience, right? And what do people care about these days? It's content, content, content. And look, everybody's iPhones now, you've bought an iPhone in the last two, three years, they work great. I'm hoping um, iOS 12 has some extra announcements, maybe some service stuff. Um, I had some service issues this week. I know you're going to elaborate, so I'm not going to try and set you up with this one. So go ahead and let us know. It wasn't myself exactly, it was my wife. Her All of a sudden, she got a pop-up on her phone saying she was locked out of her Apple ID. And the process to unlock that is awful. And the problem here is, it's nothing she did to lock it. It seems like somebody was trying to get in with their email address. Brute force style? Maybe, or possibly somebody with a similar name as her. It happens. It's annoying, though. But with the Apple ID, it's really bad because you get locked out, and it's really frustrating. Well, especially since uh, it is tied to so many of the services, right? Yes, and she can't even get in. It's just frustrating. It doesn't happen often. Most of the time, it's a very honest mistake on people's parts. And it could very well be one of our kids was noticing a pop-up on her iPad and pressing it over and over again to get rid of it. But I don't know. It could be anything. Is uh, is there going to be like an indoctrination session again? Like, you're going to sit your kids down yet again and talk, talk about these kinds of issues? <laughs> no, because the thing is, our kids are actually usually pretty good about that. Uh, they're very quick to say, hey, something popped up on the iPad. Can you fix it? something very interesting is I read an article recently. I don't remember where or who wrote it because, uh, you know, the information, the way things work, uh, sifting in and out of our brains. But uh, there's the idea of uh, we've tied our identities to phone numbers and that it was like a gigantic mistake, which I found very interesting. Because everybody knows our phone number. Yeah. And it's publicly available. And yet we use it for all these different services, you know, especially for two-factor. People know our names, our, our phone numbers, everything. Two-factor, I use Authy instead of the phone as much as possible. So I have a code that counts down. I don't know if you ever... Uh, been familiar with those types of services, Brian? I have. I use one for work for a VPN. Yeah. So I, I use one for um, pretty much everything that requires two-factor. Uh, I have it for Twitter, for Dropbox, for Facebook, my Google stuff. Because you use Facebook so, so, so much on a daily basis. I, I don't like Facebook at all, but I also do want to lock it down. 
I pointed you to, uh, so uh, one of our listeners, my friend Danny was listening last week and he mentioned us in a uh, comment on Facebook and you refused to even log in and take a look. Yeah, I, I think I'm going on like two months having not logged into Facebook. You could tell who's uh, in charge of the socials around here. So if you want to go ahead and tweet it as double underscore density, uh, send me personally a message on facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram. You can head over to double density.net. Click on the contact button because I will be personally answering emails. Angelo, probably not. Most people, I don't know if they realize uh, if they message at double density, who's actually applying. It's mostly you. Yeah, I'd say it's like 85% me. I think I, I used to handle it a lot more than bef- than uh, when you were editing the show. But now that we've kind of switched roles where I actually like editing and you actually like the social stuff. Yeah, I'm a social lubricator. <laughs> yes. Uh, it makes this whole point of the, us doing the podcast as something we want to do and enjoy uh, all the better. Coming back to the matter at hand, though. So how long did it take your wife to get back into her Apple account? Not long. Uh, we got everything kind of sorted out within an hour. But when I went to look it up, her problem was not that bad compared to the horror stories I've seen online. This happens to some people two or three times a week. Really? Apple needs to figure something out how to do it better. If somebody has two-factor, this shouldn't be a, a factor, dare I say, because... Wow. Uh, dad joke number one here of the evening. They, they, they really shouldn't be prompting these locks on the Apple ID if somebody uses two-factor, because if you use two-factor, nobody can be able to get into your account, theoretically anyway. Well, unless they're physically there with you, like holding a gun to you or something. Well, yeah. And at that point, what, you're not really worried about your Apple ID. No. Yeah, exactly. You're, you have more pressing concerns like uh, life or death, right? So anyway, I'm just hoping something will be mentioned about how this works because it's like a dirty secret of the Apple ID world. It doesn't happen to many people, but when it does, it is really frustrating. Do you feel like perhaps it's because like the more common of a name you have, the more of a problem, like all the John Smiths in the world need to sort of like, or the Robert Smiths need to like figure things out. I can imagine that really would be a problem for some people. You're absolutely right. So it's everyone out there who's got an Apple ID tied to their name, sort of like, move away from it. I read some reports when I was looking at this that some people have changed their Apple ID to like random letters and numbers. Still a problem for them. Really? So there's something weird going on there. Uh, Anyway, uh, knock on wood, if you're superstitious, this hasn't happened uh, for a few days now. So we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. I'll uh, keep people abreast of the situation. Perfect. I'm looking forward to the up-to-the-minute updates on my phone that I will be broadcasting out into the world as VP uh, Socials here at Double Density, Inc. Double Density. Last thing on the docket this week on the tech side of things is, I. so usually you're the man of the stories, but I kind of want to get into one of mine this week. So uh, last week, I uh, so sort of some quick context. Last year, I helped out. Uh, with a friend's uh, feature-length film. I was an extra, and I started to do some sound design work before um, some personal obligations got in the way. Uh, but the film finally premiered as part of a film festival uh, last week, and I decided to go uh, take a look and see it. And it was great. I was a little surprised based on the work print that I saw. <laughs> but, like, no, I'm, I'm being very honest. Like, I saw, like, what I saw and what the finished product were, was, were so vastly different that I was actually super excited that, like, they managed to, to do this in, in such a great manner. I was super excited to see it. And it actually worked out really well. And uh, whenever it pops up on, it's it might pop up on, you know, streaming services or VOD or whatever. And I'll let people know uh, when that does. But it was a great uh, 90 minutes 
but that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is <laughs> the ride home. So uh, the Montreal uh, transit system is comprised of uh, both buses and metros, which uh, the metro system, which is, you know, ostensibly the subway system to a lot of other people. Um, so it's like 1130. I get on uh, the metro and I am six stops away from home uh, from like door to door, basically. And halfway through the metro shuts down, it's like 1145. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but the Montreal transit system has moved away because they used to have their own app, which they stopped updating. And now they've given the power over to the transit app, which tracks buses, metros, trains in real time. And uh, apart from being on the metro and then sort of giving an update because there was somebody on the track apparently somewhere on the system and so they shut the entire line down and in waiting there we were sitting there for 25 minutes and uh i had the misfortune of stopping at one of the few metro stations on the entire system that doesn't actually have a bus associated to it oof so uh, i was with some friends and we're trying to figure out what to do uh so finally we decided to uh start walking because we didn't know what else to do it was almost midnight i had to go to work early the next day i was kind of frustrated but the thing is that like, uh, so I was going to walk my friend home and she lived uh, sort of like along the Metro line. So I was like, this is great. Uh, so I started walking and it, there were no updates. There were no, you know, there's nothing being pushed. Cause usually what happens is that if there's a, a slowdown or something, they'll push a notification or they have a messaging service that they use, uh, via text. Do you have Twitter account? They do, but it's only active from six to six AM to like 8 PM, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because nobody's yeah. working on it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But beyond that, like the, the security measures usually like anytime something goes down, even if it's like a, a night bus, you know, there's something going on. I'll get the text and the email and there's nothing uh, the entire time. So I wasn't sure if I could, you know, dip in or just keep walking. So I finally decided to keep walking. So I, I spent an hour home walking. Oh, it's that long. Yeah, I got home at one. Well, I mean, because I did the do chores walking the front home because, you know, it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, of course. When you're out at night. Um, but yeah, it was still very frustrating to have to, you know, uh, hear radio silence and, uh, it was, it was a very frustrating experience, unfortunately. And that, that sort of capped off what was otherwise like a good evening for me. Well, the, the only upside of this is that it, it gave you an opportunity to look at the sky and hopefully see a UFO. Um, so yes, let's, let's begin with yes, but living in the city with oh, all the light pollution, you yeah. don't really see all that much. Yeah. See, I live out in the country where, uh, you can see lots of stuff in the sky. Unfortunately, that is not the case for me. Uh, I was more so dodging um, different uh, construction zones, uh, just trying to make a like it was literally like a straight line at one point for like most of the walk. And the number of like detours I had to take was insane. Uh, yeah. If anybody's not familiar with the way Montreal is, uh, it is constantly under construction. Uh, there's like different municipal, there's like a, you know, like a, a city of Montreal website that shows you the construction zones. And literally it's just 200 plus signs on the island. It's 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 pretty bad, uh, but uh, we still love our city, don't we, Brian? Well, I live in it. You don't. So I get to claim that I love this place. Well, you and you're 45 minutes away in uh, suburbia get to say whatever you want. Uh, well, I, 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 I commute into Montreal every day. I grew up there and I work there. Well, Angela, it's very easy for you to claim that you love Montreal. You live outside of it. You don't have to deal with the metro and the bus a lot of the time. All you have to deal with is the, the train. And sometimes, yeah, sure, it's late. It doesn't show up. But having to get home at night due to the fact that uh, the metro is down, you don't want to spend money in a cab because with all the detours in the city, it's going to cost you three or four times what it should cost you to get home, right? So I, I, I didn't even bring up a cab, Brian, because I realized that it would like just blow your budget. It's like a bus pass for the month. Yeah, yeah, almost. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, I was I was looking at Google Maps and looking at all the construction areas, and I was like, if I call a cab, I mean, they're going to go a certain route, and I know what route they're going to take, and it's going to be a very long one. Just 
literally ostensibly to go a straight line. You should, they should have taken one of those bikes. Like uh, you, the Bixies? Yeah. Yeah, but even then, like, I got to figure out how to get through the construction sites with a bike, right? So I, I, I don't want to face plant. Yeah, you just need to turn to Spider-Man. I'm, yeah, either that or get a helicopter. Really, at the end of the day, I, like, I'm strongly considering uh, living a helicopter lifestyle. So I'm curious, other people in other cities, uh, uh, does your city have a transit app? What are their transit plans like? Uh, how do they communicate outages uh, to you? I mean, we talked a couple of weeks ago about that story about the MTA right in New York and uh, the response team there. Yeah, and it's really interesting how they work because uh, it seems to be a, a horrible job in one way, but uh, they're actually doing decent work. Response-wise, they're absolutely great. I think in terms, in terms of morale, I can imagine that it's not the best uh, job to ever work. And, and, you know, it's not probably not your life's work if you're planning on making a career out of it. And with that in mind, my friend, I will see you on the paranormal side of things. See you there. Are you wondering what's up with the latest tech news? Is the last privacy issue total mumbo-jumbo to your ears? What about that company that got hacked? What does it mean to you? Well, look no further. RGBA has you covered. We not only discuss what's happening today in the world of technology and Apple, but we're also reviewing tech products and taking the time to understand all of the real-life implications of the latest hack story. Tune in to RGBA.fm, where my co-host Tyler and I take a weekly dive down the series of tubes to surface news, rumors, and have the occasional coffee discussion or even a tech adventure. Listen to us on rgba.fm for colorful tech news and reviews. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So a big hat tip to uh, listener Danny for uh, actually sending an article that was already in the show notes all about something that we talked about all the way back on episode 42, which was, um, it seemed like a bunch of American diplomats in Cuba um, we're feeling very sick and ill and uh, some are suggesting that perhaps it was due to some kind of sound based or microwave based attack. And at the time, Angelo, you had claimed that this was perhaps mass hysteria, but now this New York times article actually kind of sheds light on a lot of different, um, interesting facets of the story and kind of gives some context as to why this actually might be legitimate. Yeah, I, I am uh, very happy to say I was wrong, I guess. I don't have any trouble ever saying I'm wrong about something. That's the thing. Uh, I was skeptical that it could be some sort of weird sonic-based attack, and I thought maybe it was some sort of mass hysteria. But it seems like I was wrong, because there's some science to back up the fact that it could have been uh, a microwave attack, and not uh, a microwave coming to life and killing people, just uh, actual use of microwaves through some sort of weapon-type system. So firstly, shouts out to the great 80s uh, slasher slash gorefest microwave massacre, uh, which is a thing that exists. Of course of you course. would know that. <laughs> uh, I think it came out in 82 or 83, so all of my gorehounds get at me. But beyond that, though, uh, the the interesting thing about the article is that it kind of paints this kind of interesting context in which it is, it is suggesting uh, ever so lightly that the Russians and Cubans are in bed and that the Russians may have... Uh, either themselves or through Cuban agents used microwave attacks on U.S. diplomats. Um, the timing, of course, is kind of suspect right after the election of Donald Trump. And of course, Trump was claiming that he uh, was going to overturn a lot of Obama's policies, R.E. Cuba, right? Yeah, that was the, the whole thing with the U.S. and Cuba is uh, very interesting and strange as well. Uh, I agree. I mean, like the historical precedent from the 50s onwards uh, is there. And it's been a very tumultuous kind of relationship that we thought was getting better under the Obama administration. But now the Trump administration, of course, has turned around and just decided that that is not good enough and uh, wants to reinstate 
a lot of uh, the policies that were in place uh, to the decades prior. Uh, more interesting, though, is that uh, something I learned about is uh, the eerie phenomenon known as the Fry, the Frey effect. He's a scientist who kind of discovered this. It's uh, it goes into detail in the article about how he discovered it, but it's super fascinating that there was somebody hearing a noise in his head and then it was because microwaves were being pointed at him. Very fascinating. Yeah, exactly. So the, it's the idea that microwaves can trick the brain into perceiving, uh, hearing sounds like ordinary sounds um, that are actually aren't in existence at all. So when I read that, I added something to the show notes thinking, can this, is, can this be what's causing hauntings? Oh, that's very interesting. Like the idea that we live in a microwave-filled uh, society. And when we say microwaves, we're not talking about literal uh, food processing microwaves. We're talking about like waves of a micro nature. Yeah, so those are just one type of microwave that are able to cook food by heating up the water molecules in them. But there's all kinds of uh, microwaves. They're used for everything, like cell phones and all that. And they're, some of them are harmless. Some of them uh, you wouldn't want to put your head in an actual microwave oven while it's on. But it's interesting to think, what if... And, and this has been posited before, that hauntings are uh, caused because of some sort of weird imbalance in the atmosphere uh, around the area where uh, there's some sort of sonic waves or microwaves or whatever. Uh, but nothing's really been proven about that. But this, seriously, like they're hearing voices in their heads. Even deaf people hear these sounds, which is fascinating. Right. Uh, so th- this New York Times article does a really good job of sort of like walking you through the phenomenon and how it applies to this specific context of uh, Cuban diplomats uh, dealing with a mysterious attack, perhaps a giant microwave satellite in a van is what they're saying, um, based on the severity of a lot of the different symptoms. Uh, something also that uh, stuck out to me is that there's a secretive group of scientists named Jason. Like yeah. They're not all <laughs> yeah. named Jason. The secretive group is called Jason, right? which I thought was kind of funny, uh, considering uh, our friends over at uh, the Not Alone podcast. Right. Oh, are you trying to posit that perhaps uh, something's going on over there? Uh, maybe Jason is part of this group. I don't know. Maybe. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's a really, really great walkthrough. And I think like um, uh, it involves some science, some geopolitics, a little bit of conjecture, right? Because it's kind of hard to prove all this um, definitively. And of course, uh, the State Department and other branches of the government are saying no comment at this time. They don't really comment on uh, these sorts of things uh, definitively. But uh, yeah, it's definitely very, very interesting in terms of how science can trick the brain into different kinds of of, uh, you know, auditory effects and, and perception and all that. And it's kind of really interesting. And I'm wondering, like, what its non-spy applications could be like. Oh, maybe just, um, like, some interesting sensations when watching a movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, our, our augmentation of music, right? Like, bearing some microwaves inside of um, uh, enabled uh, audio devices, right, would allow you to perhaps feel or hear or see different kinds of things. That's what the iPhone 11 will need. <laughs> what you're saying is that in order for you to buy in, you need that sort of augmented uh, reality. Just a, a way to totally mess with people. <laughs> I do like the idea a lot. I'm not sure how uh, that would be implemented uh, so soon unless the U.S. government or the Russians and Apple are working together, in which case that's a great conspiracy theory. Of course. Uh, but this article does put forth an interesting and fun, well, fun. I don't know if fun's the right word, but it's, it, <laughs> with- it's an interesting theory. I just wonder what else could be causing these problems. This is probably the best um, idea put forth, and it and it, it puts forward a, a relatively con- convincing argument about it. That's for sure. 
I definitely do think that like there's a lot of evidence uh, that points to this being an actual attack, not necessarily mass hysteria as we originally had perhaps talked about. Um, and I do believe that like uh, in terms of plausibility, it's very high up. I would say so. And uh, for sure, they have these types of, of weapons out there. Isn't there some sort of uh, dispersal cannon for uh, riots where they yeah. use sound and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there are different kinds of cannons uh, that usually are used for crowd control. Usually it's a piercing sound. And those are way less covert. This is super covert. Apparently it's a, a small satellite dish that can easily fit in a van uh, if what they're thinking is true. Right. There's also, I think, like a, an act of like an actual literal heat ray, which I've read about, but I think that's more so for military applications than civil um, crowd control. Yeah, you don't want uh, a protest uh, crowd melting. No, I mean, like, originally they were using, like, water cannons, highly pressurized water cannons, and now they've moved on to uh, auditory and now heat rays in theory. Like, I haven't seen that used, um, uh, you know, in North America at all. But uh, these are technologies that exist. Uh, overall, I think those are better than, like, rubber bullets that they used to use. So, uh, yeah, um, maybe uh, plus one for the auditory crowd dispersal methods <laughs> i myself have never been hit by a rubber bullet but i know uh one or two people who have of course you do course, yeah well in the course of covering protests and things like that and uh, let me tell you they leave bruises my friend well i mean if a paintball leaves a bruise uh, i'm pretty sure a rubber bullet would as well have you ever had the uh misfortune of being shot at by uh, a paintball I've I've never participated in paintball, although once I was out uh, in downtown Montreal, which is coming up often in this uh, episode, uh, with a group of friends, and a paintball exploded next to the head of one of my friends up against the wall because somebody was going around in their car shooting paintballs all over the place. Real mature, Bradley. Congrats on uh, all of that. Uh, I've never been hit by one, and I uh, I'm not really somebody that wants to go play paintball. Oh, because I was gonna say we should do a double we should do a double density meetup where it's just paintball. No, laser tag is fine. Paintball, not so much. Uh, when's the last time you played laser tag? Uh, just last year, actually. Uh, not too long ago, went out with some friends, uh, and it was fun. A lot of fun. We did the laser tag one time, and then another time we did a uh, breakout room. Oh, perfect. Uh, I feel like we should do like a laser tag thing, but what I would do is... Just me and you. <laughs> exactly. What I've done in the past, and uh, what I will continue to do, because I am cheap, is I will pick a target, follow them around, continually shoot them, and then claim it with someone else. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun, Brian. I, I don't, <laughs> yeah, please, please join me, everyone, in all this. Yeah, I remember I've, I've done that once or twice to uh, two friends of mine uh, who they thought we were allied, but I don't understand because it was a free-for-all. And then at the end, you know, you get your scorecard, like who scored the most on you. And like it was very, very, very clear who the front runner was on that one. Yeah, uh, I see you getting booted out of a lot of Call of Duty games. Yeah, yes, because I clearly play a lot of Team Kill. Call of Duty, yeah. Um, but, uh, you do other things for fun. Uh, what did you do recently, Ryan? Uh, okay, we'll get into this. Uh, so I recently, uh, went on a ghost tour. I wanted to go on a ghost tour when I was in Boston and then nothing really panned out and there wasn't enough time. So I'm very interested in hearing this. So I took a tour of, uh, so they have, so this is, it's this company haunted in Montreal and they do three distinct tours. So they do Griffin town, they do uh downtown and they do the mountain. And so we picked the Griffin town tour because it was the most convenient for us. It was a Friday night and uh, a friend of mine is moving away. So we figured it was like a really good ideal kind of like a uh, little activity to undertake instead of like, you know, going to a bar or something, you know, like something more active and fun. So we, we decided to do that. And so we showed up and there's maybe like 15 of us and uh, there's a woman who's checking everyone off. And then uh, this guy appears and he, um, 
how do I put this delicately? He embodies the spirit of the neck beard. Oh. Yeah, he's got like a, a duster on. He's got a hat. He's calling, he called the lady like Milady at one point. It was just, it was a little awkward. And uh, so we start the tour and the tour is about 90 minutes and he kind of walks us through these different sites and, and things like that. And unfortunately, like, he, it was his first tour of the year on that one. So he was very much like reading from his like notes a lot, unfortunately, oh, no. which was a big problem. Yeah. And he also got a couple of things wrong uh, in terms of like uh, dates and like specifics. Did that you I correct knew. them and say, excuse no. me, sir, I have a paranormal podcast and I know about these things. <laughs> I didn't want to do that. Um, I was close to you, but no, I didn't, I didn't want to do that. Like he got the date of the opening of the Metro wrong. Um, uh, at one point they talked about this guy who had uh, slipped in the ice in Lachine Canal and like had drowned and like the restaurant he originated from, he named the wrong restaurant. So like there's a bunch of like little tiny things, unfortunately that kind of like um, sullied my time. And I was with some friends and I kind of just mentioned it to them and they felt sort of like the same way that like um, there's a lot of like repetition too. Cause he was, I guess he was nervous or whatever. Um, it wasn't the highest quality ghost tour. I mean, the thing is that, so uh, where we live uh, it's kind of like the, the entrance to most of North America, you'd agree, right? Yes. Montreal is one of the oldest cities in North America, if I'm not mistaken. I think Quebec City is the oldest. So there's like a lot of like really great history in terms of uh, different accidents and things like that. So, you know, a lot of the stuff was uh, uh, kids who had drowned or people who had uh, illness or whatever. So like, you know, like, for example, like one of the former Montreal mayors uh, would go out and uh, people who had succumbed to like such typhus. Uh, would live in these tents and these shacks and he'd go and try to tend to them and he died and apparently like you can see him walking around in his top hat once in a while and then uh, the very interesting thing though that I wanted to bring up with you is that at one point he talks about this guy drowning uh, in 2010 or 2011 and then he brings up one of my favorite pet peeves which is the smiley face killer because apparently right near uh, where this guy drowned uh, was a smiley face and then apparently someone else who had uh, died during the same time frame there was another smiley face so uh Kind of interesting uh, to think that perhaps the smiley face killer killers uh, is here. I don't particularly believe in this uh, conspiracy at all. I don't know if you know anything about this. I don't know much about this other than what you mentioned once that we wanted to kind of talk about this eventually. And we haven't really uh, decided when to talk about it. Although now's a good time of any to kind of mention it. Uh, I don't know much about it at all, though. I didn't really want to get into it in this episode because it's kind of an aside and I, I kind of want to save this for like the, the coming weeks. But yeah, so the idea is the smiley face murder uh, theory or killer theory is this uh, theory that's advanced by these two retired New York City detectives, uh, Kim Gannon and Anthony Duarte, who believe um, that there are hundreds of young men who have been drowned and nearby are uh, the indicators uh, either graffitied or something else of a smiley face. That's really, really creepy. Yeah, but I mean, like once again, like once you start unpacking it, what are the chances that this serial killer has gone unchecked over the last like couple of decades, right? And all over the place too. Yeah, and I mean the FBI has kind of dismissed this, but whether or not it's due to the fact that they actually like don't care to investigate, or they've investigated and and, and seen nothing wrong, like we we know law enforcement to be wrong sometimes, right? Yes, from time to time. So I mean, like, uh, so it's kind of interesting that like that was kind of an aside of the ghost tour, and of course, uh, they ended on a really interesting one, which was uh, two ladies of the night. One of them got hacked down by uh, someone that they spend time with. And apparently is uh, every seven years around June 24th or St. Baptist, uh, people gather um, in this abandoned lot. Uh, it's kind of weird because like it's a lot surrounded by very tall buildings. And apparently like every seven years, it's said that like one of these women will appear and uh, haunt you for a bit. And uh, did she appear for you, Brian? Well, no, because it's not uh, June 24th. Oh, so. Yeah, I know. Uh, the next one is uh, June 24th, 2019, apparently. So oh. everyone set your calendars. I might actually go out there uh, for that and uh, do a bit for the podcast. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of disappointing, unfortunately. That's too bad. I see like 
The ones in Boston seemed interesting. When we were in Salem, there were some as well. Uh, but we didn't really partake in it because we didn't have time. We had kids with us too, so we weren't sure. Like, well, the last thing we need is kids having nightmares with you on vacation. That's not not fun. I did one of the ones in Salem when I was there in 2006. That was a lot of fun, actually, and, and more well put together, I guess. Um, I feel like these ghost tours, though, are really good backdoors for history lessons. So I feel like uh, the idea is to impart wisdom on people through the, the, the IRL clickbait of, like, ghosts or witches. Yeah, I, I I think that's that's actually a really good way of thinking about it because, you know, there's some kids that aren't that interested in history, but then you say, hey, but there's 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 ghosts and dead people and murders. Okay, I'm I'm in, I'm up for that. And the tour that I took, unfortunately, uh, it, it kind of felt like the punchline a lot. So you know, like the the the, the people who had died of either uh, disease or like uh, dysentery, victims of violence. Were they on the Oregon Trail? Yeah, no, not even that, sadly. But I felt like, you know, there's a lot of really good information um, provided in the tour um, uh, with some ghosts sprinkled in. Well, one of the buildings uh, of uh, of the campus I work on is apparently haunted because somebody died in one of the ventilation systems. Wasn't it the elevator shaft? No, I maybe the elevator shaft. Anyway, one of those two places, somebody died. Uh, but I'm, I'm not anywhere near that building anymore. Would you want to go back with me? Like, we'll go back we'll explore things like, cause the thing is like, I'm not back in time. No, 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 no. To go to the building to explore. Yeah. That, that could be fun. Uh, it's, I wonder what, what actually happened though. I do know for sure somebody did die in there. Well, you know what? We can cover that in a, maybe like a local ghosts episode. Yeah, we'll Halloween time maybe. Yeah. Light some candles, discuss things. Cause the thing is like, I'm not anti ghost, right? Like I'm, I'm, uh, I want to say I want to believe. I've never seen anything, and I know other people who have, but I've yet to see an apparition of the like. So I'm willing to leave the door open on that, though. Well, I have an idea. Leave the door open on your microwave, and then maybe you'll see some ghosts. <laughs> right, and I'll start hearing ghosts talking to me. That that sounds a little too on the nose, Angelo. I'm not willing to entertain that idea, but uh, I will go hunt ghosts with you if you want. I think we could do that. There's uh, some old uh, churches nearby here, and... Uh, old cemeteries could be fun yeah we'll bring a lantern we'll i'll pack some sandwiches bring some carrots and a juice box sounds really good just set the mood uh if anyone else in the Montreal area wants in on this please hit us up at uh, on twitter uh, double underscore density facebook.com slash double density podcast same thing on instagram or head on over to double density.net click on the contact button fill in your information let's get this ghost hunting going actually if anyone else has any uh, really interesting ghost stories or apparition stories we'd love to hear those too uh or if there are any really good ghost tours in your part of the world uh i'm always willing to uh, travel to explore things uh because i don't have offspring and i can do what i want <laughs> as an adult with disposable income i can't do that so what you're saying is that apart from vp socials i'm also like vp outreach yeah outreach socials i just edit stuff i just work here brian i just work here. <laughs> You just, you clock in, you clock out, and you call it a week. Yeah. Show up to the microphone, talk into the abyss, <laughs> and then magically spit out a podcast by week, week's end. Uh, I feel like this is a great place to end it episode is. 72 of Double Density. I feel like summer hours are coming to a close for us as uh, we launch forward into fall. So we'll be doing a little bit more uh, expansive stuff in the coming weeks. Uh, but tune in next week. As we unpack the mythology of the Wolfman, are you in camp Michael J. Fox or camp Jason Bateman? Sound off and let us know. Angelo, it's been a pleasure. See you later, Ryan.
Great. A family full of dorks. Glad to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <coughs> oh, I'm making I think somebody laugh. deserves that. <coughs> Ooh. Ooh, boy. Um, and they, they, if somebody has two factor, <laughs> this shouldn't be something that's a problem. I'm sorry. Just laughing at the literal buffering I heard. <laughs> oh, I love you, Angela. Okay, sorry. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, you definitely restart that. Sorry. It was just the sounds then the. Mm. <laughs> mm, you can hear the hard drive spinning up. 